0: Well, we'll go ahead and get started tonight. Um, we're going to start off over in uh, 2 Timothy 3, where we've been with verse 17 or 16 and 17. And um, uh, we're going to be working through this last part. We've, we've only got a couple more um, weeks in regards to, to kind of talk through uh, some of these things uh, regarding um, change and correction um and uh hopefully we'll we'll be able to get through it uh in the month of december uh and then uh we'll kind of move on to a a new subject in the new year lord willing uh but again you know that's all up to uh the lord and we'll we'll go from there but let's go ahead open with a word of prayer we'll get started and uh get right into uh um, uh, the learning part of this and um, seeing what the Lord has for us. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much again, Lord, that we can be here. I thank you again that we have an opportunity and a time, Lord, uh, that we can set aside to come and uh, just uh, receive instruction from you. And Lord, I pray that we would understand how important instruction is, how important discipline is, how important it is uh, to understand uh, the right way and the wrong way to do things. And I pray, Lord, that uh, as we begin to finish up this uh, series, that, Lord, you would just constantly remind us of all that we've learned and that, Lord, we would use it, that it would not just be something that we hear here, but, Lord, it would be heard in our heart, it would be retained in our heart, it would be heated in our heart, that, Lord, we would glorify and please you with all that we do. Thank you again, Lord. Um, just uh for bringing all of uh, these folks here tonight. And I pray, Lord, that you would uh, just be with me and give me strength uh, and uh, clarity of mind and focus, that uh, your word would be uh, elevated and um, taught. And again, I thank you for all that you've done for us. And this I ask in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we had kind of finished up talking about uh, correction uh, last week and we're moving into the last part of verse 16 and in verse 16 it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness and this is this is where if you will a lot of the rubber meets the road this is the application part of it you know we've talked about uh, um, the the uh the rebuke that comes uh, reproving we've talked about how the um, the 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 truth that is spoken and what happens uh when uh, truth is brought into a situation such as the word of god it clearly identifies what's sin and what's not um, and moving through the correction process with everything regarding repentance forsaking of sin um all of these things need to happen and occur but probably one of the ones that does get left off a lot is the instruction part. Uh the instruction part is, is is a lot more uh challenging. It's one of the hardest parts. You know, you get through the first part and you can get through the rebuke, you get through the reproof, you get through the correction, you go through the repentance, you receive forgiveness, your purpose in your heart to do the uh, forsaking of sin. But then it comes to this instruction part. And, you know, a lot of times one of the biggest issues that that people in general have is that they just don't want to learn. Um, You know, when there's new things that have to be taught, new things that have to be done, a lot of times people don't want to do that. Uh, I've been through several acquisitions on both sides. I've been through several software upgrades, updates, um, you know, new implementations, all sorts of things, process and procedures, best practices, um, all of those things. And when that occurs, there's always this time and opportunity to bring everybody to, quote unquote, up to speed. And, and what I mean by that is is there has to be an understanding of the new system or the new process that's in place. Uh, you know, currently right now in my job, I'm working in, a, in an area um, because of some, some attrition and transitioning, uh, or I should say transferring of some uh, staff, uh, I'm working in an area where there really has been no training at all. Uh, it's just kind of like this big giant void that people will kind of shove things into. They don't really know what's gonna happen and they don't know what's really required of them to put anything into, uh, that, that, you know, that process, that, that, that part of the process. So I'm trying to gather all of the stuff that has been quote unquote developed for any type of training material and for some reason it seems like that training material doesn't doesn't exist, or nobody has it, or it's just so vague that it doesn't really do anything, and it's becoming very clear why we have problems with that area of the process. And the reason is, is because nobody's been instructed. Nobody has been taught. Uh, And if there's one thing that we understand from Scripture, is Scripture teaches. Scripture is instructional. Scripture has knowledge and wisdom and understanding, but important to all of those things is the instruction process. You're not going to know what you're supposed to know unless you know that you need to know it. I know that seems a little weird, (laughs) but if you think about it for a while, it'll make sense. But when somebody tells you, hey, this is something you you have to understand before you can get to the next step, then it goes, you go, oh, okay, so I have to make sure I get this part right before I move to the next part. And that's where a lot of people don't want to invest that time, effort. Uh, the instruction part is a hard part. But again, it's not harder than sin. The Bible says that the way of the sinner, the transgressor, is hard, right? So we understand that. We've seen that. We know that those are the difficult things. When, when, When sin is brought in, it just makes your life difficult. But when we bring in righteousness and we bring in the knowledge of God, the will of God, his wisdom, his understanding, and we're instructed in it and we receive the instruction, the path is different. But it takes something called discipline, meaning that it's something that has to be done every single time to to essentially make a biblical habit. We are very good at making poor habits, aren't we? I mean, you know, it, and it seems like all we have to do is, is one thing and then boom, man, we're already into that, that bad biblical habit or unbiblical habit, right? We're, we're into the sinful habits, and, and it seems like you do that once or twice, and then boom, you're already there, and, and it becomes very habit-forming. Well, the inverse is true when it comes to scriptural things. But we've got to want it. We've got to understand that righteousness is far better than sin. We have to view sin exceeding sinful, and we have to view righteousness as in seeking the perfection and the holiness of God, pleasing Him. Let's just put it under that category of pleasing Him. And we have to understand this, above everything, it is we, we, as human beings, are capable of pleasing God. He's given us everything that we need for it. But we come up with a lot of excuses. Oh, it's just my flesh. Well, your flesh is no more inherently sinful than anything else. It's like, was the the fruit itself that that Adam and Eve ate, was that poison? No, it was the act of disobedience that was the issue. Therein lies the problem. Are we willing to obey or are we willing to choose our own will? So it comes down to this when it comes to instruction. Are we going to receive it? Are we going to be a learner? And that's what the root word of discipline is, is disciple, a learner, a follower, somebody that sees a pattern and follows that pattern. They see truth and they follow that truth. Now, now again, sometimes people get really messed up with what they think is truth, and I'm not talking about disciples of whatever else are out there, Okay. And they call, they, they use that word disciple out there very frequently. And even Jesus Christ points out, you know, to the Pharisees that they go out and they make their disciples. But when they make their disciples, they make them worse than they were when they first came. So, so they're obviously not teaching truth. They're teaching something that is harmful, something that is sinful, something that is destructive in nature. So, in order to ensure that this change that we're looking for in our life, that God wants in our life, is is going to be uh, permanent, that there has to be this active engagement, meaning that we just can't sit there and go, "Oh, okay, for instruction and righteousness," and just go, "Okay, well, I guess I'll be instructed as I, you know, sit in church and as I, uh, um, you know, occasionally read my Bible and 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 hope for the best." Well, that's not going to give you any change. That's not going to help anything for that matter. Because we've already found out that, that, that this verse, verse 16, starts off with all scripture. So that instruction is going to be found where? It's going to be found in scripture. So the more scripture that we have, the, 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 the more we're going to have an instruction of what is right, what is wrong, how to discern how to judge, how to make choices and decisions. Those are things that we need to know and need to understand. And then when something is identified as sinful in our life, what is the, if you will, opposite biblical pattern that we should be seeking after, that repentance unto God? So this becomes the design of what we're supposed to be doing. And and, and it's, it's an exercise routine. And what we're doing is we're exercising personal, continual discipline. We tell ourselves no. Does not Paul tell us that we need to mortify our members? Didn't he say, I die daily? Doesn't he say that we should be walking in the spirit, not walking in the flesh? Doesn't he, he he put things out there saying there is a big, there's a choice? Turn to Romans 7. Romans 7. Romans 7 is, is, is often, you know, sometimes people will, will point at that and say, see, I can't do it. I can't make a change. Oh wretched man that I am. And they stop there, right? And they won't move any further. They're like, oh, this is just too hard. And what happens is, is they slip back into it. And that's because they're not desiring Instruction. They're not desiring to be taught. There is a problem with a person that refuses to be taught and refuses to listen to scripture. A person that does that is in direct rebellion against God. Take a look at the nation of Israel as an example. Take a look at many individuals in scripture that God has preserved for our examples and examples to show us exactly what happens when that occurs. So here we are in Romans chapter 7, and he says in verse 14, he says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. And he's talking about this this battle that goes on. And he, he declares later on that it is a war, in verse 23, he says, I see a, a, a law in my members warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. He's saying, look, you know, I, th- th- there's a constant battle that's there. And a lot of times we, we, we enter into that some of that Greek mindset, if you will. What the Greeks taught is the Greeks taught that you, uh, they taught that you have a soul and you have your flesh. And this is we're going all the way back to like Greek philosophy, all right? This is the stuff Paul was arguing against. And they get into this mindset of saying, Well, you you're your your person who you are, you are trapped in a prison of flesh. Now that's not accurate. As a matter of fact, that's that's highly inaccurate. Now look, I understand we don't have redeemed bodies, and we have failings. Yesterday, you know, getting ready to come to basic, all of a sudden my back spasms, and I can barely move, and it's still sore today. So I understand the failings of of flesh in that regard, right? But but the choice of sin doesn't exist in the flesh. And what Paul talks about is this, in this flesh, he's talking about the choice of the carnal Versus the choice of the spiritual, which is what he addressed in verse 14. So as we go through this, and we begin to, to, to realize this, as he talks about it, he says, O wretched man that I am, in verse 24, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And people just kind of throw up with their hands and say, I understand what Paul's talking about. I'm just sinful, and I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to try, and I'm going to try. But they, again, they just kind of have this expectation of failure. Because they're like, well, it's just going to happen. It's just going to happen because that's just my flesh. No, 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 no. We need to be instructed in the spiritual things so that we understand how to bring this flesh into submission. That's the issue. Submission. What does that mean? That means I put my body under, is what Paul said. That's one of the important reasons about fasting. You're putting your body under. Your body's sitting there saying, man, I need a snack. And you're like, no, you need Jesus. Now shut up, you know. <laughs> Hopefully you don't have conversations quite like that with yourself, but you understand what I'm saying. You, you you enter into a mindset where you're going to say, no, I'm not going to let the things that are physical and carnal dictate to me my relationship with God. I'm not going to let that happen. Because look at what he says here in verse 25. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now he's not saying, oh, I'm going to be split personality here. All right. Dissociative personality disorder, I guess, is the appropriate term that they would call it today. No, this is not what he's talking about. He's talking about the choices that he's going to make. He's saying, if I choose with my mind to serve what is right, as he talks about over in Romans, I'm going to be a servant to, to whatever I bring myself into submission to, whether it's the spirit or whether it's the things of the world or the flesh or sin, I've got those choices. And he says, so this is what's going to happen. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to make that choice. Myself, who I am, I am not going to let something that is a physical thing dictate to me... What I'm going to do, I'm going to serve, as he says here, the law of God, the law of God. Again, going back to, you know, so many people think that the the, the law has has been done away with. No, if you look at all the things that are done with the law in in, in the New Testament, you find that we've got a whole set of new laws. (laughs) We've got the law of Christ. How do you fulfill that? Bear you one another's burdens. We've got this law. What is that law? The law of God. The law of God is do what is right. Do His will. Be transformed with your mind. Overcome evil with good. Don't be overcome of evil. I mean, there's so many things that we see in scripture that He tells us these are things that are lawful for us to do right now. Many of them align with the things. And I'm not talking about doing all the feasts and the ceremonies and the things and and the sacrifices. Because all the sacrifice and all the offerings and all that was handled upon the cross. But God has put in our liberty certain laws that say, here is your boundary. We don't have liberty to do whatever we want to do. That's not liberty, by the way. Liberty requires laws. Even our founding fathers knew that. So they put in place a government that would have a minimal amount of laws that would simply guide people into doing what is right to what we have today, which is like, I mean, you use a post-it note in an inappropriate manner, you've broken the law. I mean, it's ridiculous some of the things that we see. But we realize that that liberty requires us to be instructed in the law. So yeah, to a degree, we all have to kind of become lawyers. We have to know the law. We have to know what God's expectation of us is. Let's just call it that. So as we see that, (laughs) we're going to we're going to have a choice here. We're either going to serve. Uh, You know, uh, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. If I choose fleshly responses, then I am choosing to serve sin. If I'm choosing sinful desires, physical desires, I'm choosing things of that nature, then I am following through with sinful actions to accomplish now again, I'm not talking about, you know, one day you want tacos and the next day you want burritos. I'm not talking about that kind of desire. I'm talking about covetousness, lusting, um, desirous of things, uh, being vengeful, hurtful, bitter, uh, wrathful. All these things that you see that God says and warns us against. Why? Because sometimes that kind of, if you will, satiates it, makes it feel good for a moment. I mean, we, 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 we've all been at that point where, we, where we've had arguments where there's that brief flash in front of our eyes of what the future would hold if I just punched the person in the face. Okay, well, first and foremost, don't do that. Well, number one, it's against the law, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. God says we shouldn't be brawlers. So we, we, we need to contain that. Then there's a, there's a right time to do something. But, there's also the wrong time to do something. <laughs> you know? So we understand that concept. We understand that concept that is going to be determining, am I doing it in the spirit or am I doing it in the flesh? This is what Romans 7 is talking about. It's talking about the battle between our choices. Am I going to choose to serve Sin, or am I going to choose to serve God? I mean, that's the whole context of around what's a, the rest of the, the, the chapters that surround chapter 7. Teaching us that. I like chapter 7 because you take chapter 7 out of context, you it, it can kind of make it almost say what you want it to say but you put it in context of what the rest of these things are, then you're going to understand. I mean, because you just take a look at chapter 6, just as an example, chapter 6 and verse 16. Know you not to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether it is sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. Got a choice. And what does he go into in verse 7? You got a choice. He's enhancing, he's giving more detail and more instruction with it. And I like to show this when we're talking about instruction because what happens is is we begin to learn that instruction is building blocks. You can't move into, say, uh quantum mechanics and that type of math if you don't understand 2 plus 2 is 4. And it's not whatever you want it to be. It's not that you tried. It's a fact. If I have two apples and I put two more apples in my bag, I have a total of four apples in my bag. Not five. Not three. Not, good job, at least you tried. No. It's truth. So when I put truth, In my heart, truth is what's going to come out. What goes in is what comes out. The more scripture we put in, the more instruction we put in, the more scripture and holiness and righteousness comes out. But again, it comes down to that choice. It comes down to what we we do. So it's a disciplined act. So what we begin to realize is, is as Paul's talking about this. It means I've got to make a choice every single time. Let's face it, we are in such a habit of doing things auto. I mean, for crying out loud, we're talking. Can you imagine? Here we are. We're talking about automatic driving cars, and they're real. And whether the software is glitchy or not, there's a lot of places that are using them. I don't know about you, but I kind of like that idea. Because I, I, you know what? I, I'm sorry. I, I will have a tendency to get a little bit in the flesh when I drive on the road. I, hey, don't testify back there. <laughs> I, I, I have a low tolerance for, 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 for poor drivers. And I know, judge not unless you be judged. <laughs> but let's just put it this way. Man, if I don't have to worry about that and I can just sit there and I can just sit back and I can scroll on my phone or I can read the Bible or I can take a nap. Man, and the car does all the thinking and everything for me, wouldn't that be great? I think it would be great. And then of course I have all override mode if I want to, you know, get a little crazy with the car, right? Maybe. Probably not. <clears throat> but we try to do everything auto. Got to autopilot on planes, and those generally fly the plane for most of the flight. You've got automatic, uh, uh, you know, refill orders for your prescriptions. Got automated reminders. Auto this, auto that, right? Auto withdraw, auto deposit. Auto bill pay, Right? We've got all those things, and then it's just set to automatic. Well, let's just put it this way. The Christian life can never be automatic. The Christian life is only purposeful. The Christian life is determined. The Christian life is done with care. The Christian life is done with thought. You ever get in trouble when you didn't think? That ever happened to anybody else? Happens a lot, right? Ever get in trouble when you didn't think before you spoke? <laughs> Come on now, you're getting convicted. Yeah, I know. Dennis isn't here, you can't yell meddling from the pol- <laughs> from the front row. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. That was great on Sunday. I loved it. <laughs> you told me why. He said he said you're giving a description of exactly what I did in my youth. And I'm like, well I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to bring up bad memories. <laughs> He's just kidding, you know, he's just... Uh, praise God for Dennis. <clears throat> but uh I, I tell you, it's not going to be something that's automatic. we got to think. We have to think carefully about what we say. We have to think carefully about what we do. Because it's the automatic habits that get us into the most trouble, right? You're doing something and the next thing you know is you're doing something sinful. Why? Because that's the habit. It's the habit. And it takes a biblical purpose driven, and I hate to use that word because of, you know, other things that are out there, but its purpose is that that's the driving force behind it is that you're making a choice. And again, that purpose is to please God. So, we realize that we have to have this constant exercise. What happens when you don't constantly exercise? just kind of turns the flab, right? You get tired. You don't feel as good. You get lethargic, right? You get all those things, okay? So you understand that, that, that when we get into that mode of where we're not exercising the spiritual, we're not building up that right kind of instruction in our life. So so we have to have this. We have to have this correction. We have to have this viewpoint. It, it, it's required. If we don't, is it, we're going to have issues. So so when we talk about somebody that is disciplined and somebody that is a disciple, we're talking about somebody that is, is following by listening to the instruction. And they're doing those actions that that person is instructing them in. And specifically in this case, we're talking about biblical So when Jesus Christ took and made disciples, what did he say to them? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men, right? Turn to Matthew chapter 4. Let's just take a look at at one of these... In Matthew chapter 4, and verse 18, it says, And Jesus, walking by the the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And straightway they left their nets and followed him. And then we find James and John and so on and so forth, and we can find the rest of them as he calls them. Uh, throughout these passages and and um, says unto them, uh, talking about, follow me, follow me. But notice he says there in verse 19, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, did he make them fishers of men by just taking and laying hands on them and saying, you now have all knowledge? Or did he teach them for three and a half years? Which they were still a little obtuse at the end. They needed the Holy Ghost. They needed the Holy Ghost. And that didn't happen until Pentecost. So what do we find here? It's a process of learning. How many times do the disciples say, would you please explain that parable to us? Lord, teach us to pray. You know, all of these things, we begin to see that the disciples, they were wanting to learn. They were wanting to learn. And sometimes it means you have to learn hard stuff. John chapter 6 and verse 66, there was a bunch of people that did not want to learn exactly how hard it was going to get. And they chose to walk away because they didn't want to learn anything more. They had had their fill. So here we find that God is constantly in the process of of having individuals be disciplined. Be disciplined, making the choice to be disciplined. Wake up in the morning and don't just, quote unquote, let it happen. No, you go about and you purpose what you're going to do, and you purpose to do the things that God's leading you to do. I understand there's things that can happen, and you respond to those, and you react accordingly. But you react to them according to a biblical fashion. That's the intent. Things are going to come at us that we don't expect. What do you do? You react in a biblical fashion. So a person that is also a disciple and a person that is disciplined is going to receive that correction, and they're going to use it to learn the lesson about what is the right choice. When they're corrected in sin, they're going to use it to make that a, 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 if you will, an opportunity to be learning about the correct way to do something. That's what tests are about. Today I had a test at work. Unexpected. Pop quiz, email pops into my inbox. I look at it, and it says uh, here are the files that you need access to, see the attached PDF. I have no idea who this person is. It's coming from outside the company. Red flag. Could be something that they're trying to load something on my computer. Once I click it, it opens up, and next thing you know, is I've got a bot or a virus, or you know, who knows whatever else is out there. I mean, one of the you want to know that you want to know the country that's really successful when it comes to viruses. Nation of Israel. Just look at what they did. They had one virus that they that they got planted in all of these different computers didn't affect any other computers except for these one specific computers in Iran that ran centrifuges. And everybody had this virus. I mean, literally millions of computers plagued with this virus doesn't do a thing to you. And it's because people click things. And guess what happened? Some guy in Iran goes, oh, what's this? Clicks that. Mm, I don't know. Okay. Whatever. And then what happened? That virus went, hey, this is the computer I want. Wipes everything out and destroys the computer. <laughs> you know what happened to that guy? He's probably not alive anymore. But you understand that's that, that was a test. This morning it was a test. I, opened, I, I didn't open it up. I looked at it. I said, man, that looks suspicious. Reported it as phishing with the pH. Why they do that, I don't know, but it's called phishing. And I report it as phishing, and then I get this little pop-up message that says, congratulations, you successfully passed the test. Thank you for your, your, your diligence in being vigilant, excuse me, I'll get the word out, in making sure that our cybersecurity is safe and secure, and, you know, so on and so forth. I was like, oh, cool. Delete. <laughs> test. I guarantee you there were some people that opened up that thing and it said, you failed. If this had been a real virus, you could have opened up our company for a breach. That happens every single day, by the way. So you know what a disciplined employee does? A disciplined employee takes a look at what they learned in their cybersecurity course and they check the sender and they check the links and they look at it and they go, man, this seems a little suspicious. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to report it. They did what they were instructed. Not just go, "Uh, what is this? And click it because they're too busy. what happens isn't that the same way that God warned Cain go over to Genesis chapter 4 I want you to see this about this instruction <clears throat> Here, here's here's God telling Cain directly now, now in Genesis 4 there was no scripture wasn't there was nothing written down why Nothing had happened yet, (laughs) other than the fall of man, right? You know, some people were being born. There was a lot of people being born. Cain had a lot of brothers and sisters, and so on and so forth. Obviously, had issue with one of them, Abel, here in this case. And uh, obviously, the Lord had respect to um, Abel's offering, but not Cain's offering. We find that in verse 4. It says, And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of the flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. Well, who is he, who is he, who is he wrathful against? Not necessarily Abel. There's only one other person here, or not a person, but God. And the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth? You know, when God starts asking you questions, that's a real good time to just kind of sit back and just be quiet. Doest thou well to be angry, Jonah? Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? Why aren't you angry at sin, Jonah? Anyways, here he is, and uh and uh um, he says, uh, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shall not thou be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. He warned him. God was instructing him. Okay, and just do what's right. Why don't, you, why, don't, why don't you follow through with what Abel's doing? Whether it means you got to go raise your own flock, or you go and you get some from Abel, whatever it is. Why don't you just do what's right? Bring the right offering. Rather than just it, continuing to frustrate yourself doing the wrong thing. Well, Cain didn't. Sin was lying at the door and guess what he did? Just like I was talking about. Click. And just like that, what happened? Sin walked right into his life and said, Kill him and kill him now. That's how quickly sin does it. You have to look at every situation and everything that you do as a test. And as a test, not to prove your worth, but to prove the will of God, to prove his glory to prove His mercy, to prove His love, to prove everything about Him. Not to prove that you're number one, but to prove that God is Lord over all. Everything you do, every choice you make, every decision that comes up, every word you say that comes out of your mouth, does it prove God? Now that's a big, big instruction, right? And I just kind of summarized like a majority of scripture with that. But this is the process. This is what we begin to learn. We, we and when we make the mistake and we go, "Oh, oh, what an idiot! Can't believe I did that." Now Cain had that opportunity. I mean, you know, he he here he says. You know, in verse 9, the Lord asks, Where is Abel thy brother? What does he do? One sin begets another sin. I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you actually were, but... He just lied. God said, sin lies at the door. Cain opened the door, and guess what? One sin came in, and then said, "Hey guys, party over here at Cain's." The next one comes, and the next one comes, because what happens? As soon as he is, he, he he's proven that he just lied and that he just murdered somebody. The curse comes, and rather than being repentant about it, he says, "My punishment is greater than I can bear. People are going to kill me when they see me." Well, I don't know, Cain, maybe they should. God had mercy and said, no, no, we're not going to have that. We're not going to have that. But he he, he was complaining. He moves from murder to lying to complaining. Excuse me see how quickly just like that everything about Cain changes the reason is is because his heart was not affected by what God said wasn't affected he didn't take that opportunity you know what he could have done at this point in time he could have repented he could have said oh Lord what have I done I have killed my brother I, I, I don't deserve to live take my life there's all sorts of things that could have happened. He could have had a, a, a King David response. He could have had a Peter response and go and wept bitterly. He didn't have that. As we continue on with this, we, we, we realize that, you know, when there's a wrong action, we correct it. What we do is we see where the error is. We listen to what the right response should be. And then what we do is we actively exercise the the right actions to make sure we don't enter into the wrong actions. So we've forsaken the sin, but just saying I forsake it isn't enough. It has to be forsaken through the actions and the change in our heart and the change in the desires allowing God's word to affect us and God's will to affect us more than our own will and our own desires and our own carnal fleshly you know. Uh, uh, lusts, if you will, which is what he talks about over in James chapter four. It's a reason why people fight and kill. Somebody always says you're you're out soul winning with somebody, and and they they'll ask him, they'll say, "Well, why is there war? Why you know why, a loving God wouldn't create war? No, man created war. <laughs> man just find better better ways of killing them each other, right?" Stuff that man has created to kill people is horrific. It's horrific. I mean, you take a look at some of those weapons of war. That's just not. I mean, how sick in the head do you have to be to sit there and think, "Oh yeah, let's go ahead and develop, a, you know, something that's going to melt the flesh clean off of somebody's bones, but leave their bones intact." What? Why? Well, it strikes fear in the heart of people. Ew. Gross. The sickest things in the world. Our country and every other country that's developed those things, those chemical weapons, yeah. The nuclear weapons, all of those things. I get it. I understand. It's war. War is a horrible thing. It's awful. But why does it exist? And somebody says, well, why are all the wars? It's because we lust after things. It's because we want what we want. It's because what one country has, another country wants. That's the way it works. Whether it's money, land, power, people, subjugation, authority, power trip, whatever. That, 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 that's the reason why. But this discipline, this instruction, requires the training. Go over to Proverbs chapter 29. You know, over in 2 uh, uh, Timothy, it, it clearly stated that it's instruction... In righteousness. It's instruction in righteousness. Knowing the difference between what is right and what is wrong. Knowing what is unrighteousness, what is sinful, what is unholy, what is ungodly. And knowing what God desires of us when it comes to holiness. Pleasing Him. Desiring His desires um godliness and righteousness. Now in Proverbs chapter twenty-nine and look at verse fifteen here, it says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Now obviously there's a lot to be said in this regard, but and there's a lot more that talks about the law of the father and the mother and uh, the child and the son, and uh, not not obeying, not listening, not hearkening, and uh, the paths that, that eventually occur. But what we find here is he says the rod and reproof give wisdom. So there has to be the corrective act. That's what the rod is for. That's what the reproof is for. This is the instruction part. This is where Scripture is brought into instruction. Because the rod, reproof, and the wisdom all come from where? God's Word. The authority to say, this is right and this is wrong, here's the wise thing to do, all comes from a scriptural principle. It starts with that. You see, without instruction, failure is going to occur. Failure is going to occur. You ever try to build something without instructions? It gets crazy. You wind up with a bunch of parts that you don't even know what they belong to. And you're sitting there going, ah, what did I miss? Where did I go wrong? There's a step-by-step process. Because sometimes when you do things the wrong way and you put something in backwards or you put something in before it should go in and then you put the other part on, you bend this, you break that, you snap that, and then you're done. You're done. There's a right way and a wrong way to do things. Uh, the failure is going to be right there at the door, and you're doomed to repeat it if you do not listen to the restru- instructions. I mean, it's futile to sit there and try to rebuild a 12-cylinder engine. Specifically, let's just choose British-engineered. Because, you know, I love the Brits to death, but, man, they're engineering. I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know what they were thinking. The Germans, they just over-engineer it. So you're never going to figure it out unless you're German. Um, but, you know, you, you, you sit there and you try to put that thing together without instructions. and You try to start it up and you hear something clang and then you take a look at the engine and there's a rod hanging out of it. You're like, what did I go? Where did I go wrong? You said, okay, I'm going to rebuild it, you go and you get it fixed, you get it all set, and you're going to rebuild it yourself, and you're going to put it together, and you're going to be like, okay, well, I know that I did that one part wrong, but I'm going to try it a different way. How many cylinders do you have to go through before you get it right? Or you can just listen to the British mechanic that tells you, oh no, 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 no. You've got to put that bearing in first before you do anything else. You gotta make sure that shaft is seated properly before you even start thinking about putting that on. You gotta make sure that's tight and nailed down because if you don't, it'll warp and buckle. Wouldn't it be better to listen the first time and learn that so that you know how to do it again and again and again the right way? This is what the discipline's about. This is what the rod and the reproof is. This is what the correction part is when it comes to the Word of God. Again, we want to make sure that when we're doing the instructions, here's what we do. We know what's right, and we do it, right? Amen? Okay, a couple of people will agree. <laughs> You know this is sin. We don't want to do that. We push that aside. We know that this is what God says we're supposed to do. We want to do that. Amen. Okay. Okay, a few more people. We take that and we do it. Amen. Okay. What do we do then? We do it again. Amen. Amen. And then we do it again. Amen? And then we, what? Do it again. This is like teaching a youth class, Mike. (laughs) You know, you you do the process over 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 and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And what are you doing? You're forming something that is purposeful that is specifically done with thought every single time. You don't develop it into an automatic habit. You develop it into a habit of, I have to think about this, I'm going to do it that way. I have to think about this, I'm going to do it that way. I have to think about this, I'm going to do it that way. I'm going to have to think about this, Ooh, that's no, I'm doing it this way. We have to do that. Because let's face it, when we're in that thought process and we're in that mode of of just, you know, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, and we just get into that zone, and we're like, oh, okay, I'm going to be focused. How many of us slip into ADD or ADHD when all of a sudden there's something over here that's sin that glints, and we go, and we jump that way? That ever happened to anybody else? We're like, oh, oh well, that, that looks like a good way to do it. And God's going, no, don't. <laughs> He's saying, I want you to think about what you're doing. I want you to think it through. That's the transformed Christian mind. Not, not, not the way of the world is just, you know, we're just going to do it automatic. No, I'm going to do each thing the way that God wants me to do it, and I'm going to put a thought process behind it to make sure I do it the right way. So, you know, again, go to Colossians chapter 3. I don't want to hang out too much in Colossians 3 because we're going through that in Sunday school, um, and and I'd like to mention Ephesians 4. But you're probably um, you're realizing that Ephesians four and Romans chapter twelve are you know a couple of Ken's favorite uh, passages of scriptures to go to. <laughs> but I want to—I I just want to hit this one part, and we'll we'll kind of stop for right, right uh, for right now. But in Colossians chapter three, I want you to take a look here at uh, uh, at, at these principles that that he sets uh, that we're supposed to do. There's eight things that are are listed here. So I know I'm kind of jumping in the middle of them, but I want us to start looking look at verse 10 and he says, and I have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of God or image of him that created him where there is neither Jew or Greek nor Jew circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, a Scythian bond or free Christ is all and in all meaning that it doesn't matter. Christ is what it's all about anyways, right? People are, you well, are, are, are you going to have services on Christmas? Yeah. Why? Well, that's kind of the reason why Christmas is here, but okay. You know, <clears throat> something of that nature. And in verse 12, he says, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy, beloved, Bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Man, you put those things on every morning, guess what happens? Not a lot bugs you. How many of you had to teach your children how to dress? How many of you are still trying to teach your children how to dress? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying, you know? They come out and they go, "Well, oh, look, Dad, I, I, I dressed myself." And they are like, you know, they got they got the socks on the hand like puppets. And you're like, no, "No, those are for the feet." I'm not saying my daughters did any of that, okay? You know, they come out and they're, they they've got their pants on and they've got the shirt on and they got the underwear on the head. And you're like, "Wait a second, something's not right here." You got to teach them right. You teach them the right way to do it. They got the shirt on backwards. Look for the tag. The tag goes on the back and goes on the inside. Oh, okay. You begin to teach them. You have to teach them how to dress, right? And you know what? There is an instruction process. You let them do it. You show them how to do it. You teach them how to do it. You let them do it. You follow through. You watch them. You monitor them. They do it for the first time and you go, okay, we're going to correct a couple of things. And you keep going back to it and you're teaching them and you're teaching them and you're teaching them. And when they're 25, you're still teaching them because that's like not appropriate to wear out anywhere in public. You know, stuff like that. But, but here's where I get at. Didn't Jesus Christ just tell us right here that we need to put him on every single day? We have to know how to dress as a Christian. And what we put on every day is going to be what we put out there in the world. What attitude of heart that we have in us is going to be what we put out in the world as our witness. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of people out today that are sick and tired of Christians. Why? Because they're not putting on Jesus Christ in the morning. They're not putting them on during the day. They're not making a willing choice. Look, I'm not a bright man, I'm stupid. I went out and I let the dogs out before we came. I'm standing out there, I didn't have my gloves on. I'm already having issues regulating my body temperature anywhere with everything that's going on with me. I'm standing outside there in the cold, and Rollo's taking his time. Bless that little dog's heart. And he's out there and he's just taking his time, and I'm standing out there and I'm like, I'm freezing. My thumbs were so cold I went like this to try to warm them up and I couldn't even feel them. Well whose fault was that? Me! Wasn't the dog's fault. Wasn't my wife's fault. My fault. Why? Because I didn't put gloves on. (gasps) You mean I could put gloves on? I have a choice to put gloves on and stay warm? Yes, I do. You mean I have a choice that I can put Christ on every single day? And I can make the right decisions? Absolutely. Absolutely. I have that choice. I have that decision. And it begins this process of, if you will, learning how to dress, putting on the armor of God. Ephesians 4, put off and put on. Don't wear the dirty stuff or the clean robes of righteousness that he's given us. This is the mindset. And we'll take a look at this a little bit more next week, but we're going to dismiss right now with a word of prayer, and uh we'll uh, go ahead and head home and try to stay warm. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for the time that we've had tonight, and Lord, I just thank you again so much how much you just care about us, that you would teach us this. You'd instruct us, you'd show us, you'd convict us, and Lord, you love us enough to just, correct us over and over and over and over again, even when we fail to learn the lesson the first time, Lord, how gracious and merciful you are to continue to teach us the lesson. I thank you for that. I pray, Lord, that we would uh, just take some of the things that we've learned tonight, Lord, and use them to glorify you, to to give praise to your word and your name and your works and how, how great and mighty God you are to us and how you gave us salvation. Lord, I pray that you would just that would be at the forefront of our minds because it's what's in our heart. And, Lord, it's what we believe. It's what has changed us. It's what has affected us. Lord, I just pray that we would have that desire to please you. Thank you again, Lord, for just this time. I pray, Lord, that we would uh, just be able to go home safely tonight. You bring us back safely again on uh, um, uh, the ladies on Saturday and uh, for us again on Sunday, Lord. And these things I ask and pray in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.